This morning, I, when we begin to read our text here in just a moment, I'll just tell you before we text and pray that I, um, I, it might be a seatbelt day, I don't know. Reel your toes up day, probably. I can tell you for a fact it won't be a politically correct day because I'm not into that, never am. Uh, not ever looking to be. But uh, it will be a scripturally correct day. And that's what matters. We got too many people in the pulpit today that are more concerned about uh, if it's negative or if it's going to upset someone or, if it, or whatever than they are than if it's true. Which is the gauge of the Word of God. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? I heard something last week that Dean Caldwell would say, knock my hat in the creek. So I'll go ahead and share something with you. It's not even in my plans, but you'll hear it more and more often. First Timothy chapter 4 says uh, that I uh, charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word. To be instant in season, out of season, to convince, exhort, and rebuke with all long suffering. And I'm often, you know, when I, I preach some stuff pretty straight, and sometimes I say this is not a rebuke. You know, I should really quit saying that because I don't really know what it is to you. Gary Wilkerson said something last week when I was with him that blew my mind. He said, when you preach the word straight and in truth, it'll be whatever's in the heart of the listener, whether it is an exhortation, whether it is a convincing, or whether it is a rebuke. And you know what I thought? I thought, wow. Wow. It's what's in the heart of the hearer. When the truth of the word comes that determines whether it convinces, whether it exhorts, or whether it rebukes. And I'll say it again, that's a wow. (laughs) I suspect I won't miss anybody this morning. And not because I'm after anyone this morning. But because the subject matter is just that sort of thing. Psalm chapter 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Do you know that is true? Against the Lord and against his anointed, that's Jesus, the Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces. And cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The plans of the heathen are amusing to God. Not because what what they do he thinks is funny. But because they think they can do it. (laughs) <laughs> Hear me again. Not because when they, when they go against God and they cause destruction and, and, and bloodshed and hatred and, and all of those. Not because that's amusing to God. What's amusing to God is they think they can plot together and to do it. It says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath. And distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Let me tell you something before I go any further. The king of kings and the Lord of lords will stand on that holy hill on Mount Zion. He will do it. He will sit on the throne of David forever. I will declare the decree. This is the Lord speaking. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Who's speaking? The Christ. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me 
And I will give you, let me give you some pronouns since they're so important these days. Ask of me God, the Father, and I will give you the only begotten, Christ, the nations as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. I remind you that the revelation says that the king of kings and the lord of lords will tread the wide press of the fierceness of God. And will rule the nations with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like a potter's wheel. Who? The heathen. The ones that have conspired against God. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. <laughs> There's an admonition. In light of what I just said. Now, therefore, be wise, O king. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Listen to this. Kiss the sun. That's not the fireball in the sky. It's the S-O-N. Kiss the sun. Lest he be angry. And you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Wow. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Beloved, I write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Peter is stirring them up. Hello? That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. By the way, Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 56. He says that, that your, my priests and my kings will say, come. Tomorrow and we will, we will drink and be merry and, 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 and because to, tomorrow will be as today even the merrier. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. As they were eating, they were drinking, they were merry and they were giving in marriage. Until the day, how long? Until the day Noah entered the ark. The scoffers will say, in the last day scoffers are coming, Peter says, and this is what they will say. Are you with me? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth was standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished. Being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word. You know how we're preserved today? By the word of God. How, how is this thing still hanging in an atmosphere on nothing? Turning at the, exactly the right rate it has to be to preserve life. Exactly the right distance it needs to be away from the sun to, to, turn, to, to, to hold life. With exactly the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere to fill your, your lungs and preserve life. How? By the word of God. That is how. That is how. 
Let there be, let there be, and it was. And it was good. <laughs> For this they willingly forget by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same words, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of all ungodly men. But, I love the conjunction. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Listen to verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long suffering towards us. Not willing that any would perish. But that all would come to repentance. Why has he not came yet? He just told you. The Lord is long-suffering concerning us. And he is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Heavenly Father, we need you today. Give us clarity of speech and thought. Open our minds, open our hearts to your word. Lord, guide every single word and anoint it by, the word, by your spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. I come to talk about two questions. I think I'll start with what I would probably title it, and you're going to think, what? Am I a Christian nationalist? Am I a Christian nationalist? And do I still believe he's coming back? Am I a Christian nationalist? You say, what a, what a title. What a question. In the day in which you live in, it is the most valid question that you could ask yourself. You say, man, that sounds hot button and political. And I, I, listen, I'm going to touch every hot button I can find this morning and kick every political dog I can kick because it's the world we live in. Am I a Christian nationalist? That's a good question. That would depend on who is asking and why. Well, y'all are already quiet. I didn't even throw out there the trifecta of that question. Am I a white Christian nationalist? Because that's really what's being asked today. That's the triple word score, if you will. I guess I'm going to kick every one of them. Religion, race, politics. See, that's the problem today. Preachers aren't addressing what's at hand. More concerned about what's popular than they are about what's true. More concerned about how many backsides are in the seats and how much they drop in the offering rather than if those backsides make heaven or not. Said it many times, spend more time than humanly imaginable writing messages to almost say something. Almost. Christian nationalists today, in the context that you always hear it on the news and in the media, is meant to be a pejorative. It's an insult, it's derogatory. I noticed, have you noticed when it started happening? When, when you started hearing the, am I the only one in the room that's heard the term? Because I, the reason I'm addressing it is because I began to notice that as, as the world begins to shift into the most prophesied period that, in history, 
That these are the terms that are beginning to be thrown out to anybody that will stand up for what is true. Oh, I've heard it for about three years now. But it really came to light when what's his name? It tells you how much I care about the political angle. What's his name? The new Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson. See? I don't care who the players are. You got to understand, I don't care who the players are. I care about who the king is. I care about what the word says. But I immediately, I saw some quotes from him. And one that, that, one that set the world aflame. He said, the Bible doesn't form my worldview. The Bible is my worldview. To which I said, hear, hear. Amen. And so be it. I don't know the man. But the statement is true. If you are a, if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer, we have to understand that the Word of God is my worldview. Does that mean that I want to set up a theocracy on earth, heaven? God forbid. But that's what they would have you believe. Does that, believe, does that mean that if I don't, you don't come under my way of thinking that, that we want to banish you or make you less than or persecute you? Not according to the word. Because see, if the word is your worldviews, it will tell you know that it says to bless those who hate you. To pray for those who spitefully use you. Never to return evil for evil. I noticed that the former White House spokesperson was immediately on television and talking about the most dangerous man in America because the Bible is his worldview. Began to already beginning to spin the tale that, that somehow, some way, that that this new speaker with with a with a biblical worldview was going to be the start of World War III or something. In case you haven't noticed. In case you haven't noticed, we're standing on the precipice of World War III anyway. And unless you don't know that, we are. And it has nothing to do with the Speaker of the House. I got news for you. It has very little to do with the President of the United States. It has very little to do with the Congress. Let me just help all of you out. Let's be... So we can just make sure we set us all on our ear. This book has nothing to do with America. Let me help somebody. America has not, is not the new Israel. We are a nation that God in his great providence raised up out of nothing. And gave us great freedom because of the word of God. I'm not going to spend all day giving you a history lesson with everybody that wants to argue over our founding and all of our nation's sins. Because we are certainly a nation that has sinned and sinned greatly at times. But we are also a nation that its greatest export for over 200 years has been the gospel of Jesus Christ. End of story. Our founders were deists. Our founders were masons. Our founders, whatever. Go read it. Never mind the national. Listen, I'll go ahead and tell you today, I am not ashamed of George Washington or John Quincy Adams or John Hancock, or any of the, I'm not ashamed of them today. They lived in a different time and a different place. And I know that, the, that what was written down is what has ruled life, that, that, that we are a nation that was set aside that for all men to be created, that we were set aside with certainly, that with rights given to us by our creator, that among them are life, Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It's a nation that all men were created equal. 
You say, well, there was slavery. All men wasn't created equal. There's oppression and depression. All men were created. That anyone that enslaved people was not living by the, by the founding documents of this country. They were in opposition to them. Grave sins. Grievous sins. I notice that these terms begin to follow a social justice movement. Almost an anti-woke situation. A false gospel. How long do I? Let me go ahead and just put it out there front. I'm going to drop some bombs this morning. I don't have time to, to polish all of them. A social justice gospel is a false gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. Social justice gospel is a Marxist gospel. Jesus did not come to right all the world's wrongs. He did not. He did not. He did not. Let me say it again. Jesus did not come to right all of the world's wrongs. He did not. That is a lie. That is a false doctrine. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came because while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Jesus came to reconcile fallen man to a holy God through his atoning blood. That's why he came. And it was for anyone that believed. Anyone. Black and white, red and yellow, anyone. He came to reconcile a fallen man to a holy God through his atoning blood. That's what he came for. He didn't come to establish a, 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 the kingdom of God. They were disappointed even in his day. When he was about to ascend, the disciples said, Will you now restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, It's not for you to know. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Not of the dominionist attitude of today. That's why I said it depends on who you, what, who's asking, am I a Christian nationalist? Because if Christian nationalist means that I'm looking for the church to take over the government, that I'm looking for the church to take over the media, that I'm looking for the church to take over the school system, for arts and entertainment, for financial sector and all that Seven Mountains garbage, then the answer is no. But am I, am I a Christian nationalist in that I am born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and I believe in the infallibility of his word and believe that, you, that it's every word is true and this is how you live for him? That makes me a Christian. Am I proud to be an American? Am I proud to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave with all of its scars, all of its sins, all of its failures? Yes. Yes, I am. So if that makes me a Christian and a nationalist and a Christian nationalist, so be it. That's what I am. And I am, a, so I'll go ahead and give you the trifecta. I am undeniably white. I've done my DNA. And it come back and it just said, you are white. I'm so white that I'm pink. When I went the last time to be on shows, they told me not to wear a white shirt anymore, that they can't, they, they can't white balance the cameras right. They lose my face in the background. White. But according to the gospel and according to Paul's letter to the Galatian church, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. That we're all one in Christ Jesus. Psalm 2, ask me for the nations, the Christ, and I will give them to you as you inherit the nations. I'm hearing a word I hadn't heard in a while. Fundamentalist. Oh, yeah. Fundamentalist. I got to think about that one. Fundamentalist. That sounds so, that, doesn't that sound awful? 
fundamentalist. Fundamentalist. You're a, fun, you're, you're a fundamentalist. Well, I got to thinking. I sign every year. And I agree to 16 fundamental doctrines. Fundamental means essential to my belief. The core of this word. You know what I'm disappointing in? In is that my own people are becoming the scoffers. I'm disappointed. See, I'm not a I'm a fundamentalist. Let me go ahead and plead guilty. So I'm a white Christian nationalist fundamentalist. And I tend to stay that way. You know what? It's why preachers in my own fellowship today do not like me everywhere I go. Because I fundamentally believe this book. Listen, I am not assemblies of, I am not, I am not, what am I trying to say? I, I am not, a, I want to say this right. <laughs> The reason that I have been in the assemblies of God all of my life is because of their fundamental beliefs. I don't believe fundamental doctrine because I'm in the assemblies of God. I'm in the assemblies of God because I believe in fundamental doctrine. And let me go ahead and say something. The day that they don't, I'm out. I mean the day. And we're very close. And let me tell you something absolutely true. When I'm out, I will still believe that the scripture is inspired. I will still believe that there's one true God. I will still believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will still believe in the fall of man and the salvation of man. I will still believe that the church has two ordinances and it's the baptism in water and it's the, and it's the, the Lord's Supper. I will still believe in the baptism and the Holy Spirit. And I will still believe that it is initially and physically evidenced by speaking in other tongues. I still believe in the sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I still believe in the church that it's the body of Christ and its mission to reach the world for Christ. I still believe in the five-fold ministry that is for the equipping of the saints. I still believe in divine healing. I still believe in the blessed hope of the, of, of the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I still believe that following the blessed hope that there will be a millennial reign of Christ literally and physically for 1,000 years on this earth. I still believe that one day every one of us is going to stand before him at the final judgment to the believer it will be the judgment seat of Christ and to the unbeliever it will be the great white throne judgment but you will stand in judgment and I still believe that there is a new heavens and a new earth I still believe it you know what they are they're fundamental to who I am so yes if that's what you mean by a fundamental fundamentalist Christian guilty as charged <laughs> why do the nations rage why do the heathen plot against the Lord they don't want to be controlled by God that's why why do people have such a problem with Jesus because he's not just Savior he has to be Lord the heart of man the rebellious heart of man has a trouble has trouble with authority ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. There's an idea out there today that we shouldn't care about nations. God cares about nations. Because nations are people. God cares. <laughs> He's coming. Why are you talking about these things? Because of 2 Peter chapter 3. That in the last days, the scoffers will come. Where's the, where is the coming of the Lord? 
in my own fellowship, among my own people today. A lot of our, we have credentialed scoffers. Scholarly scoffers. Scoffers that's been put on the doctrinal purity council. Scoffers. We've heard it all of our life. All the time that Noah was building an ark. He was, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching a message of righteousness and repentance. But evil was found throughout the whole earth. You know what? Every day was like the, the day before. Until the day that it wasn't. As it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be. Can I ask a question? My friend Lee Ship is actually who asked this question. But when did heaven become so unattractive to us? Because see the scoffer that says, where is this coming? This says, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a doctrine that was invented in the 1700s, which is hogwash. I tell you all the time, halfway in jest, that, you know, we don't, they don't, we don't sing new songs about heaven or new songs about rapture. Well, you know why? Because they're not being written. Do you want me to tell you why they're not being written? Because the songwriters aren't looking for him. Do you want to tell you why? Because they don't sell well. Because most of the church no longer believes that there's going to be a resurrection. Most of, a, lot, a lot of the church don't, no longer believes that there is a literal heaven and a literal hell. So why in the world would we sing about heaven? Because they believe that the kingdom is already here. And the kingdom is already here in that Jesus has came and made a way for you to be in the kingdom. But his kingdom on earth has not been established. Mm-mm-mm. They say, oh, preacher, let me, can I say something right up front? Or in the middle, wherever we're at. It's at the front of this statement. Because I need somebody to hear it. The denominations, the fellowships are in terrible shape. Terrible shape. Putrefying shape. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well. Hear me again. Because the denominations are not the church. The church are the blood-washed, blood-bought saints of the living God and the church is alive and the church is well <laughs> oh I love it preacher you just upset about a few there's just a few child molesters that we haven't that we've covered for there's just a few scoffers in our ranks that's all it's just a few there's only a few that no longer believe this but we still put them in our pulpits there's only a few let me tell you I woke up early this morning, Jeff, and, and, and I, I know the Spirit of God when I hear him. He says, yeah, a few, like the first termite that you see, it, that you see the damage. How many of you have ever had termite damage? How many of you ever, how many of you found out that once you saw that one little hole in the, in the, in the wall, that one little spot in the lumber, that it wasn't just a little, it didn't look like much at first, but when you tore into it, you might have had to tear half a room down. Or I've been in homes, my, I've been in a home where we literally had to tear all the floors out of the whole house. And replace floor joists and, and rebuild, literally build. But you know, until, until we got into it, it didn't look too bad. Oh, it's just a few, Jeff. We're in a place that it's like a bed store that shows its first little if you've ever dealt with it, it shows that first little spot where your skin opens up. And oh, it's, just, it's, it's just a little thing. But the corruption underneath is septic and oozing and putrefied and disgusting and nasty. And when it opens up, even, even something that's just the size of your thumbnail might take a year to be debrided and cleaned. But when the French skin first cracks, it doesn't look like much. But let me tell you, by the time the skin cracks, the damage is done. Said it's, it's like 
fault line, waiting for that 9.0 earthquake to open up a fissure in the earth and break everything down for miles. It just looks like a bump here in a rock formation there until the earth shakes and shifts. And then it's destructive. Oh, it's just a few, preacher. It's not everybody, preacher. If you don't treat it, it will destroy. If you don't stop it, the house will collapse from the termites. Do you know why? This occurred to me. I, I wish I'd have put pictures up, but I wouldn't think about it. I've got pictures of me standing beside termite mounds in West Africa. They're as big around as this stage and 20 feet over my head. Do you know why everything we build there is concrete and steel? Everything. Because they will eat down a house in three months. I don't mean damage a house in three months. I mean you build it out of wood there and it will collapse to the ground in three months. That's the damage that's possible. Who are we? We're people that believes every word of this book is true. No matter who says it's not. No matter what organization comes against it. Oh no. Oh, I might as well just why you got you quiet. I might as well address it. But after the last election, I, I preached about it. I, I, I preached about it enough that there's people that walked out these doors that never came back, Jeff. Because I would say your faith isn't a man. Your world is upside down today and for the next every stupid YouTube prophet that they're going to be back in by this week and that week and this is going to happen and that's going to happen that even after inaugurations that they're coming back to office and I said how in the world does that work? You're going to have a civil war. How does that work? Y'all don't hear me. Here's some things that I knew that I would get down to this point and it was, it was where Mag Church was going to get a little nervous. Where they were going to start sucking a little wind. Where they might get a little uptight. Because I'm an American and I love it. And when we, and we were out there, I'll lead the parade. We thank the veterans this morning for the freedom that we have to worship God. There's flags in this, in this, in this room that some people don't even think should be here. But we honor it because of the blood sacrifice for the freedom to stand here. But I'm going to tell you, we don't wrap the gospel in the flag at Mag Church. Oh. Heather, pray. <laughs> because there's some things you got to understand. Hear me clearly. Don't hear what I didn't say. No. This building, this sanctuary, this meeting place is not about Mother's Day. It's not about Father's Day. It's not about Veterans Day. It's not about Memorial Day. It's not about Halloween. It's not about any of those things. You say, are you against, I'm, I'm not against Mother's Day, it's just not in here. I'm not against Father's Day, it's just not in here. I'm not against Memorial Day, we should give honor where honor's due, the Bible says so. I'm not against Veterans Day, I honor you with my whole heart. And when all the things are the red, white, and blue, I will get out with the color guard and march behind them out there, but not in this house on his day. Because there's one thing that people have got to understand again, I, I'm on your toes right now. Some of you think my pastor's more radical than I am. You hear your pastor this morning. Hear your pastor this morning. There's things that are not harmful, they're not unscriptural, and they're even right. But the house of the Lord is His house, and it's for His purpose, and that's what we do here. We worship Him in spirit and truth. We preach His Word as straight as possible. Let the Holy Spirit do His work and let it change hearts and lives. That's what this place is for. That's what we're for. I realize 
that takes some of the I wants out of my church sometimes. And people say, oh, I wish we would do this and I wish we set it up. We'll give you the time, the calendar space, and put you in charge. But it won't be on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to 10.30 to 12.30. And it won't be in place of worship. And it won't be in place of the Word of God. And it won't be in place of the time for people to respond to the Word. Am I a Christian nationalist? Depends on who's asking and why you're asking. Because, see... Heaven and earth is going to pass away. And there's going to come a day when America won't be. Oh, maybe that's a newsflash to you. There's going to come a day when America won't be. Man, I better say that a third time because people don't understand that. There's going to come a day when America won't be. Because America is not the centerpiece of the, of the Word of God. Israel is. And more specifically than that, Jerusalem is. And by the way, God hasn't changed his mind. Man, I ought to just cover that with Calvin while I'm at it. Am I a Zionist? Let me just, yes. The answer is yes, I'm a Zionist. No, yeah. You know why? Because God is a Zionist. You know why? Because his word declares an everlasting covenant with Abraham. Everlasting. You know why? It's because he is going to set, he is going to come and rule from that literal little strip of land in that literal city on that literal mountain, and he and he's going to. There's going to be a battle fought in, in the valley of Megiddo, um, literally in that place where literally the nations of the world are going to literally come against the Jews, and where God Himself is literally going to defeat him with the sword that proceeds out of His mouth, which is the Word of God, and with the brightness of His coming, and He's going to establish his kingdom on the throne of David forever so I don't even have to qualify it yes yes I am yes I am you better know it I will bless them who bless you I will curse them who curse you and by the way I'll remind you again the God that watches Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps but I will address even somebody that can be in our ranks and especially in our fellowship and all of those things. Well, that's not the Israel of today. You're wrong. You're a liar. You're, you're one or the other. You're either wrong or you're a liar. Yes, it is literally the nation. Well, they don't, they don't even, they're, they're not even living for God. Neither were you. And he loved you anyway. Let me help you. I've already said it one time. Romans 5, 8. That God commends his own love towards us. How? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Go ahead and read Romans chapter 10, 11, and 12. And by the way, now they're trying to deconstruct and Satan should never have been in there. That's how they do. Is God, is there, is there, is there, is there failure final? Absolutely not. Say, I don't understand it. I don't either. But this is what I know, that God hasn't chosen Israel and doesn't love Israel because of their love for God. It's his love for them, just like how you got saved. Just like how every nation of this world got saved. It's because of his love for us. God's, it's an everlasting covenant. The prophecies, I, I, I could spend the next week on the prophecies. And by the way, if anybody, if you want to spend the time on that, maybe sometime I will. The most direct answer to people that want an evidence for a living God is the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. That from the beginning, every single prophecy, every jot, every tittle has came to pass to the letter, to the T, and is continuing to. The greatest written, because see, faith is things unseen, is the evidence of things not seen there is evidence now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen there is evidence and the greatest seeable, trackable traceable, documentable evidence for a living God is that little strip of land at the east end of the Mediterranean Sea and that old ancient city that is the cup of trembling the burdensome stone.
to the nations. Man, I'm every wacko that you can document. White Christian, white fundamentalist Christian national Zionist. Depending on who's asking and what their definition is. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I don't believe that America is God's favored nation. But God's had favor on this nation. Matt, America on its best day is Egypt. On its best day. On its best day. But he's given us favor. And his favor was for his name's sake, not ours. <laughs> I choose to stand with him. I choose to stick with the word. Oh, I'm preaching this stuff this morning because it's going to become very, very, very crucial for you to understand what's being thrown at you. It's going to be very, very important or you won't be able to stand. It's going to be very important that you know who you are and why you are that. Because this thing will, it will divide everything. But you'll never be divided if you stay with the word. Just yesterday, the president of Turkey broke ties with Israel. Now the alliances are Iran, Russia, China, Jordan, Egypt, Turkey, Lebanon. Exactly as the word says. Exactly. You're going to see this little burdensome stone. The Bible says will be so heavy to the nations that when they try to pick it up, they will injure themselves. When they try to remove it, they're going to hurt themselves. Because he will defend it with his own name. Because of his word. He's given his word. He's given his word. Let me talk about a few things he's given his word. He's given his word. And Calvin, this book says that he will honor his word even above his name. <laughs> wow. Says I will honor this word even above my name. And let me tell you something. All of this, what's one have to do? There is a resurrection coming. There is a great day coming. There is going to come a day soon and very soon that the Lord is himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. And it says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then which we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up. Caught up together to be with the Lord in Jerusalem, on the earth, in the air. It says, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He says, By the way, comfort one another. With these words. When the body of Christ is removed, then God will start dealing with the Jews. Most people, don't, even in the church, don't understand that. That that time of tribulation, Daniel calls it the days, the week of Jacob's trouble. Who's Jacob? Who's Jacob? Israel. 
It's the days of Jacob's trouble. And in all it is, is the love and the never-ending compassion and mercies of God doing everything he can to turn the ones that, that he came into his own and they received him not. That he is going to pour out on them to the point where they can turn. And whosoever will can bow on their knee and declare that he is Lord. And it will be to the glory of God the Father. He's coming back. He's coming back. The scoffers can scoff. The complainers can complain. The politicians can politic. The liars can lie. And the haters can hate. But it's not going to change a single thing. The religious systems of this world can fail and they will. But this word is established forever. It's settled in heaven. And he says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What is this promise? Why stand you here gazing? For this same Jesus that you've seen go will come again in like manner. Just as you've seen, Jesus himself says, how do they miss it? I go to prepare a place for you. He says, but when I go, I'll come again. That he is not slack. Scoffers, he's not slack concerning his promise. As men count slackness. But he's long suffering towards us. And not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No. We're not QAnon conspiracists. If you are, stop. If you can't back it with word, don't forward it to me. That made me a little weak need. <laughs> don't you quit sending me videos if you, if, it's, if you can't back it with the word. It's just some goofball. I could give you a list of names of YouTube prophets just to save it. No, I'm not looking for some messianic politician with a God complex. I'm looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Brandon, as you're coming back, church, we're pilgrims and strangers. in a foreign land. But you know what else it says? We're supposed to, well, this is, people don't like this. But you know what else he says? Occupy. See, the world would have you believe, I'll just keep your religion. That's fine, just don't bring it out here. That's against the, that, that is against the demand of the scripture. We're to occupy till he comes. But I know this whole world is not my home. That I'm just passing through. <laughs> the old songwriter says, My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore.
I've told you once on a Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell you on a Sunday morning, I'll make a political endorsement from the pulpit and dare the IRS to come after me. I couldn't care less. I don't know if I want you to do that, preacher. I didn't come for that. Just hold your chair. You'll be all right. I can tell you, it won't make me any difference. Because I'm going to tell you who I'm going to vote for and encourage you to do the same. Are you ready for that? Whoever gets their party's nomination and throws the strongest support behind the Jewish nation and God's chosen people is who I will vote for. And I don't care what letters behind their name. Would you vote for a D if they were the strongest nation people concerning the nation of Israel? You better know it. They won't be. But would I? Yes. I'll vote for them if they're 84 and senile and don't even know what room they're in. I'll vote for them if, they, if, they're, if you would think a billionaire could afford a better spray tan. I would, I'll vote for them if they're orange. I'll vote for them if they're unheard of. Because ultimately, I'm a citizen of heaven. That's my primary residence. I don't care what the assemblies of God does. I will not change. I couldn't care what less. Oh, here comes a zinger. I couldn't care less what a Marxist communist man that calls himself Pope says. And if you think that's wrong, look it up. He is a communist, Marxist devil. So let me clarify that in case anybody wants to pull this little sound clip. He's not the vicar of Christ on earth. He is a Marxist, communist devil. You say, well, my mama's this. I don't care what your mama is. If she's serving that man, she better get her eyes off of him and get her eyes on the king of kings and the Lord of lords because he is a communist, Marxist devil. And Marxism is not compatible with the gospel. In fact, Marxism was created to destroy the gospel. And yes, this is a radical, crazy, zealot, white, Zionist, nationalist. What else did I forget? Fundamentalist message. Hey, but you know what else it is? It's true. And it's true no matter what country you were born in, no matter color what skin you were born with, no matter what your background is. Because the closing of it was this. Oh, there's things I didn't go to. I got to shut up. I didn't go. See, we got this idea of secular nations. There wasn't an idea of a secular nations on the face of this earth until about 200 years ago. Never. Look it up. I'm not wrong. Everybody has understood that nations were centered around beliefs and religions and ethnicity until not so long ago when the nations became fluid. And started intermarrying and intermingling. And, all. and I, I'm, I'm, I'm helping somebody. I didn't, thought I was going to skip it, but I'm helping somebody. Go to the wars throughout human history and you'll find out when they invaded each other. The first thing they done was went to their temples. It was their first priority. They went to their temples, destroyed their houses of worship, destroyed their idols, destroyed their, and tried to wipe out their deities and religions. You know Why? Because there were no secular nations. The difference in all those in Christianity is this. Nobody's ever been forced to convert at the point of a sword. Oh, what about the Crusades? 
scared right to death. What about the Crusades? What about the Spanish Inquisition? Ooh, I could go on about where those originated. Marxist. Religious. Deadly. Nothing to do with the gospel. Devilish besmirching of the name of Jesus Christ. Because Christianity, biblical Christianity is not that you look like me. And it's not a patriarchal system. It's not about nations. It's about all and ask me for the nations. All of them. And I'll give them to you. Matt, I read in the Revelation when it's all said and done, John saw something. John saw something. John saw something. John said, I saw around the throne every kindred, an innumerable host of every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every time. You know what they were doing? Worshiping the Lamb. Worshiping the Lamb. Where the scoffer, he said, his long-suffering towards us is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You want to know the difference? He's never asked anybody to die for him. He died for you. And it's for everybody. Stand with me all over this place because there's something you need to hear and it's important. There's a deconstruction movement that is not only alive and well, that it's thriving. And it's working in the hearts of our young people. And it's because we don't know the Word of God. I'll be frank with you. And it's because of what we're letting influence our lives and influence our children, what we're allowing in our schools, what, we're, what they're getting through their laptop, through their, through their smartphone, through all of those things. And we don't have an answer for it. It's why J.R. preaches like he preaches. Because there is an answer. There is a remedy. Unless you think that I'm exaggerating, I'm going to tell you something. One name, anybody ever heard of a dude named Adolf Hitler? Do you want me to tell you how he pulled off his scheme? All the while, almost a lone voice of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and then there was Moeller, there was a few, that was running all over Germany saying, wake up church. Wake up, 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 church. He's, he's evil. He, he's going to destroy us. He's a murderer. He's a, he, all the while, the church, the, which predominantly was the Lutheran church at the time, just wanted to get along with him. Don't make any waves. He won't bother us. Hear me. And all the while, in the golden hour of the day, in the twilight of the evening, he was setting up great stands and great arenas when the sunlight would hit just right and the, and the vibes of the day would, would be really cool. And he was preaching. That's what he was doing. He was preaching to the youth of the nation of Germany. Changing their mind. Influencing their thoughts deprogramming them all the while while parents and grandparents in the church were being silent so people would like them and they could get along. And as they say, the rest is history. That's it. That's why we preach hot button. So we can get views. Oh, please. Y'all don't have any idea what all this stuff, what kind of heat it brings. And people, oh, making a name for you. How much heat does it bring? How much stress, anxiety? Not because I'm an anxious person, because people come after you. Father, we need you today. Open our hearts open our minds let us realize who we are in you 
Let us realize that the the day is the night has come. The day is far spent. And the night is at hand. He said that the day is coming when no one can work. Lord, move us, stir us, compel us, change us. Pour your spirit out in this generation. Lord, we don't need to beg you to move. You are moving. Show yourself mighty.